This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, alcohol intake and blood pressure levels, a dose-response meta-analysis of non-experimental cohort studies, is in hypertension. In this study, the authors systematically searched longitudinal studies to investigate links between blood pressure and alcohol intake and found a considerable linear positive association between baseline alcohol intake and changes over time in both systolic blood pressure and diastolic blood pressure. There was no evidence of a threshold for this connection. Next, it's a study in drug and alcohol dependence titled Methamphetamine Use and Utilization of Medications for Opioid Use Disorder Among Rural People Who Use Drugs. This study recruited participants from rural areas in 10 states, participants who demonstrated either past 30-day use of opioids or recent injection of any drug. The study found that those with recent methamphetamine use were more likely to have injected drugs than those without recent methamphetamine use, with 91% for the former and 66% for the latter. These results indicate that recent use of methamphetamine is a barrier to receiving MOUD treatment with methadone. This may result from opioid treatment programs requiring abstinence to enter and or stay in methadone treatment. A new study in JAMA Health Forum is titled Urine Drug Screening in a Telehealth Setting for the Treatment of Opioid Use Disorder. This study described over 3,000 patients who received opioid treatment by telehealth where patients were mailed UDS kits and patients then collected off-camera urine samples during telehealth visits. The UDS was completed by 82% of patients during the first 30 days of treatment. For those patients retained in treatment for 180 days, the positive rate of buprenorphine was over 97%, and the positive rate for several other drugs decreased over the period. The authors conclude that remotely administered UDS was feasible. Next, we have a study in alcohol clinical and experimental research titled Impact of Personalized Alcohol Intake and Cognitive Feedback on Alcohol Use Behavior in Hazardous Drinkers, a quasi-randomized trial. This proof-of-concept study showed that hazardous drinkers respond well to brief electronic interventions that incorporate cognitive feedback, personalized normative and health consequences feedback about alcohol consumption, plus individualized information about impulsivity, reduce intake among hazardous drinkers. Reductions in drinking in this cohort following the intervention could not be distinguished from non-harmful drinkers. Further research is required to determine how best to make impulsivity-related brain health consequences of drinking manifest and how to maximize the potential of smartphone apps. A new article in Nicotine and Tobacco Research is titled Effects of Nicotine Content and Preferred Flavor on Subjective Responses to E-Cigarettes. In this study, the authors examined the joint and interactive effects on subjective response to vaping utilizing flavored versus unflavored and nicotine-containing versus non-nicotine-containing e-cigarettes. The study found independent effects with flavor associated with increased satisfaction and taste independent of nicotine content, while nicotine was associated with increased psychological reward and reduced cravings independent of flavor. While additional research is needed to assess how these independent effects motivate vaping behavior, these findings are important to developing regulatory policy. The next article in Journal of Addiction Medicine is titled Situational Confidence and Recovery Capital Among Recovery Residents Taking Medications for Opioid Use Disorder in Texas. 
Situational confidence is confidence related to resisting substance use when in high-risk situations, while recovery capital refers to the resources that support people in recovery. The authors conducted a cross-sectional study to evaluate associations between situational confidence and patient demographics, as well as personal, social, and total recovery capital. The authors found higher education, higher personal, social, and total recovery capital were all associated with higher situational confidence. While the authors do note that patients in the study had relatively high situational confidence overall, they support assessing recovery capital and situational confidence of patients to help guide decisions about treatment needs and intensity of support. Our next article, titled Microbial Short-Chain Fatty Acids Regulate Drug-Seeking and Transcriptional Control in a Model of Cocaine Seekers, is in neuropsychopharmacology. A growing body of research has detailed the important connections between the brain and the resident population of bacteria in the gut in psychiatric disease models. Acute depletion of gut bacteria results in enhanced reward in a mouse cocaine place preference model and repletion of bacteria-derived short-chain fatty acid metabolites, or SCFA metabolites, reverses this effect. In the absence of a normal microbiome, Repletion of bacterial-derived SCFA metabolites reverse the behavioral and transcriptional changes associated with microbiome depletion. These findings suggest that gut bacteria, via their metabolites, are key regulators of drug-seeking behaviors, positioning the microbiome as a potential translational research target. Our final article, titled Use of Medication for Opioid Use Disorder Among Adults with Past-Year Opioid Use Disorder in the U.S., 2021, is in JAMA Network Open. Using data from the 2021 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, this study sought to provide rates of medications for opioid use disorder receipt among adults with past-year opioid use disorder. Among the estimated 2.5 million persons with OUD in the past year, 22.3% received MOUD. Groups least likely to receive treatment included Black adults, women, unemployed individuals, and those living outside of metropolitan areas. Conversely, receiving telehealth services was associated with an increased likelihood of receiving MOUD, emphasizing telehealth's critical place in assessing treatment. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 